because she she doesn't shut up either. Like I constantly have to have like you know like she, uh, my wife took her to see Wicked and she like at one point stood up and said I need to get out of here. Like I can't take it. <laughs> so it's 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 you know it's like I I will have to like say to the people next to me like right. I want to apologize in advance. There might be a little bit of talking. I right. I doing the best I can here. Would you consider? faking Tourette's yourself to that like throughout the show to then you know relatively whatever your daughter's going to do is going to seem like small huh. potatoes compared to this dad with Tourette's that's I mean it's a strategy it's a great strategy it's, it's not a terrible strategy it's a good idea right that way people will be pissed off at me instead of her right but I'm not as cute so people are just going to be angry I, I don't know it's, right. it's 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 worth don't sell yourself short on the cuteness scale Jeff oh that's sweet <laughs> I've been accused of a lot of things in my life. Cute, <laughs> cute. Not one of them. It's never been one of them. Not even, not even back in the uh, the late eighties when you kind of looked like the the the, the one two three kid. Uh, yeah, I, I I looked like I more like more like the seven eight nine kid. Gamble on, fellas, gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on the 2024 premiere of Gamble On, we return from a holiday hiatus to talk about the North Carolina sports betting operator field, which includes six favorites and an underdog, DraftKings getting off to a bumpy start with its Pick'em product, and a good old-fashioned online poker cheating scandal that has brought the word super user back into the lexicon. Also coming up on the pod, we're going to welcome our colleague Matt Rybaltowski to talk about what to expect on the business side of the industry in 2024. And I got a few words to say about Underdog's flagship best ball tourney. But first, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We come into 2024 with a couple of states gearing up to launch online sports betting, and the biggest among them is North Carolina. By the December 27th submission deadline, seven operators had applied for licensure in the state, and one of them is not like the others. Uh, Jeff, do you want to sing one of these things is not like the others from Sesame Street for the audience? I don't know. Do I know? One of the, how does it go? Oh, see, no, 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 no. I'm not letting you turn this around on me and make me sing. It's a clever ploy, but no, it's not happening. You really, or do you really not know that? I one? really don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, I'll sing it for you off air sometime. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, ESPN Bet, Fanatic Sportsbook, BetMGM, Bet365, and Underdog. Yes, that's right. Underdog, a fantasy operator that has yet to launch a traditional sportsbook, but has been talking for a while about plans to launch one is eyeing doing so in North Carolina. Uh, then there's the question of timing for North Carolina's launch. For a while, we've been hearing it would be by June, but Governor Roy Cooper is pushing hard to get it up and running by March Madness. Uh, Jeff, what's your reaction to the underdog news? And any concern the North Carolina Lottery Commission is going to rush to launch to make the governor happy and end up launching before they're really ready? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not worried now, never worried about launching before ready. Just press the button. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Press and uh, but as, as far as underdog goes, I am like legitimately excited to see what they got in store. 
uh, Jeremy Levine, you know, the, the founder and CEO, has long promised uh, a different sports betting experience, one something more like a game uh, than anything that's out there. Uh, have I texted him repeatedly begging for a, <laughs> uh, a, a look-see? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Has he, has, has he given me that said look-see? No. Um, does he have something truly revolutionary up his sleeve? I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, I, I, you know, who knows what they got in store, uh, but I, I'll tell you, I'm interested. And I, you know, I put it at like plus 250 that I take a late spring drive down 95 to find out for myself, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm always interested by the notion of someone trying to do sports betting differently. And uh, yeah, I saw, uh, Levine's recent tweet claiming that that would be the case. I mean, the what he has revealed is basically nothing. nothing other than that he says it will be new and different. But right. um, my interest is peaked to see if indeed they take some sort of different approach. I mean, the, well, the, go ahead. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to him in the past. You know, I've written stories about this. He and what I said is what it is. He he keeps saying that it's like he, he with that Americans grew up were game players, right? Uh-huh. And you know, and the European model is 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 not that right. And like his idea, whatever it's going to be like centers around that, like it's going to be more of a game again, what that means and how that translates. I have no idea. Right. But I mean, I, if it's not something completely different, it's a little disappointing. I'll be be honest. Right. Yeah. I mean, because like the, the the other six sports books that have applied so far, we know what they look like and they're all fairly similar. albeit with, you know, slightly different odds here and there, some slightly different parlay pricing or different markets, whatever. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to see how underdog differentiates itself. To use your your favorite word to pronounce there, but um, yeah, now you've got me thinking of like game. Like I, now I'm like thinking of when DraftKings did the national sports betting championship, and it was like people competing with bankrolls against other people or whatever. Could there be some sort of overarching game that like you're your individual sports, but it's not just individual sports bets, but some something about the totality of sports bets that you place in certain time periods competes in some. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I'm curious. I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm driving. Uh, driving down 95, but I, I'm happy to hear that you may. Well, I mean, the key is you got to leave like at three in the morning. Yeah, get you got to get through DC before rush hour. That's yeah, good point. That it's uh, then it's you know then it's easy, easy peasy. Of course, I mean, waking up at three in the morning is its whole other thing. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certainly not doing that. But like, I, I, the idea is nice. Right. See, the waking up at three in the morning part is easy for me right now since I'm jet lagged from being uh, in Europe. But uh, that's that that is my normal wake up time these days. But it's it's the it's the driving and the caring enough that, you know, that's that's where I draw yeah, the line. Probably. Yeah, no, I, I, that's fair. Um, as for the the launch date bit of this. Um, in North Carolina, where pro sports are not a huge deal, with apologies to Hurricanes fans, um, you know, clearly Duke and UNC basketball are the state's biggest sports franchises. This is indeed one state where it matters to get up and running in time for March Madness. And um, maybe it takes a little more than just pushing a button, but they have had a long runway already. It's not like they just legalized in December and then they're trying to turn it around in three months. So um, I'm, I'm with you. Really no excuse not to have this ready in the next two and a half months. No, I am pretty sure it's just yeah, it is a button. It's some one person just pushes a button and sports spreading begins, huh? I I I failed to see what, how else it would happen, but okay, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm right. wrong. 
Industry insider Jeff Edelstein, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next story takes us a few miles up the East Coast from North Carolina to Maryland. And whereas Underdog is an operator with a pick'em product trying to break into sports betting, this story is about an established mobile sports betting operator trying to break into pick'em. DraftKings launched its Pick 6 fantasy game in December. But the game exists in that gray area between sports betting and DFS. And in Maryland, where underdog and prize picks pick'em games are not permitted, DraftKings pulled pick six after only about two weeks of availability. Uh, Unfortunately, we've had to stop offering pick six in Maryland at this time. We hope this will change in the future, said DraftKings' John Aguiar. It's all very obviously ironic as DraftKings and FanDuel led the charge against the pick'em games. Then DraftKings tried to join in. And quickly, DK found itself hoisted by its own petard. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the irony at play here, your thoughts on petards generally, and your thoughts on where this pick a mess stands as we flip the calendar from 2023 to 24. What the fuck is a petard? <laughs> Do I need to now look up what a petard is? Well, I, no, start... I am now. No, I'm Googling it as we speak. Oh, Small okay. Let me know. made of metal or wooden box full of powder used to blast down a door or make a hole in a wall. It's like it, so it, hoisted by its own... Is it a slang hoisted by its petard? I've never heard of this before. You've never heard the phrase hoisted by your own petard? No. Oh. Wow. Well, now you, I'm Googling it. It, it, you, it exists on Google. Yeah, uh, no. Hoist it's a, with its own petard is a phrase from a speech in William Shakespeare's play Hamlet that has become proverbial. The phrase's meaning is that a bomb maker is blown off the ground by his own bomb. Oh. Yeah. Indicates an ironic reversal or poetic justice. So you used it correctly. I did. Yes. I know what it means even if I don't know what a petard is. Well, that was good. Um, yeah, I never heard of it before. Maybe I'm like, I've, is this a, is this a sliding doors moment for me? Have I like, am I? Is this something that I should have heard of before? Am I? I would have thought course? so. I would have thought you'd have heard this somewhere, but um, yeah, the whole whole new oh. world opening up to you now that you can start dropping hoisted by my own petard into conversation. I'm not going to use the word petard in these in these trying times. <laughs> I feel like you could really get yourself in a lot of trouble. Well, yes, you know, uh, pronounce clearly, sure. enunciate. Off there, I got a story to tell you about that. Uh, all right, <laughs> okay. listen, uh, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> DraftKings, oh, Pick'em, pick yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, this Pick'em shit, it's a state-by-state <laughs> state ground war at this point, right? Uh, is it fantasy? Is it sports betting? I mean, it's a question for the states. They are tackling it right alongside abortion and who they're going to allow in the 2024 ballot. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, this is – hey, this is, is the Rose by any other name? Is that Shakespeare also? I think that is. That may be. It's all fucking gambling. So can we just like get, you know, what what are we doing here with this shit? Yeah. Sorry for all the cussing. But it's, I mean, you know, we're, it's, it really, I mean, if you're placing, I, I am a firm believer that if you are taking money, putting it somewhere in, in hopes to win more money, whether that be in DFS or sports betting or the stock market, right, or tulips, it's gambling, right? And wow. we'd all be better served if you know, the freaking morons that like we elect to, I mean, I don't get me started. My point, <laughs> you got yourself started. I get myself started. It's all gambling. And it, it would all be just a lot better off if like we just made it simple on ourselves. That's Agre- agreed. The uh, simplicity would be good here, except f- other than the fact that, you know, as people in the industry looking for things to cover the great pick'em debate and the, differing attitudes from state to state makes for a story that that isn't going away and you know you've been writing no, about it not. for a while now on sports handle and on roto grinders so um certainly your, your pace of articles on this is not going to slow down in uh, in 2024 no, and so just, 
it's it's a it's a good consequence of a of of a stupid uh, lack of clarity on the rules. You're saying it keeps us employed. Sure, uh, you know, to an extent. I mean, uh, fair enough, I guess. But it, it really it is it is just it is it is it is beyond silly at this point. You know, yeah. I, it's it it uh, you know the, the Rapunzel Rapunzel let down your hair. Is that Shakespeare also? <laughs> uh, that's that's the movie Tangled was uh, oh, the original uh, use uh, of that, I believe. Um, <laughs> the but the thing that stands out to me here is just like the hubris from DraftKings to enter the Pickham sphere. It's like obviously. They saw the success those games were having, particularly in states without legalized sports betting, and, and they wanted in on the mo- money and, you know, wanted to hurt the competition. But just they're they're playing the role of bully in all of this, and it's it's not a great look. And, you know, they, they you got to know which states are allowing it and which aren't. And that, that seems to be the big error here by DraftKings. You get egg on your face when you launch a game and pull it right. after two weeks. They probably should have known not to launch in Maryland at all. Uh, Yeah, you would think. Right. But they didn't. Uh, you know, I, again, it, this, it's a but it's a state by state thing. Right. So, like, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, they haven't launched here in New Jersey yet. I, you know, I, I they although it's on the site, it's weird. Like they, they, they promo it like on like here in New Jersey. Like I go to DraftKings. It's there. I could click on pick six, hmm. which I'm doing right now. It takes me to pick six. And then it loads everything up, and then it says Pick Six is currently unavailable in your location. Interesting. However, DraftKings Sportsbook is available. Oh, <laughs> did you know that? I this did is not news. Know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead, start a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Let me know how you how, do. How about them apples? Oh, give a hundred, get a hundred when you refer a friend. <laughs> do you have an account? <laughs> I do already. You oh, can't refer sad, me. I'm sorry, sadly, but yeah. you you must have some friend somewhere that you can refer. I think I've exhausted my. Uh, Nothing says you're my dear friend and sending them an invite <laughs> to a sports book. It's true. That's really uh, the way to solidify those bonds. Uh, all right. Um, for our final story this week, we shift from your main gambling lane, fantasy-related things, to my main gambling lane, online poker. At GG Poker, a generally respected site that is not regulated anywhere in the U.S., A cheating scandal emerged at the end of December with online sleuths noticing something was amiss with a player named MoneyTaker69, who was winning way too much and making unorthodox plays. It turns out MoneyTaker did some fancy computer stuff to gain access to win probabilities during hands, which isn't exactly the same as seeing your opponent's whole cards, but it's close as it lets you know if you're ahead or behind and by how much. GG Poker tried to fix the problem failed, and then eventually banned Money Taker, but only went public with it after GG Poker players had already gone public with it. This is small potatoes compared to an infamous ongoing scam at Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet in the 2000s that allowed some $50 million to change hands via cheating. But it is nevertheless very bad for online poker's reputation and potentially the public's trust in it. Jeff, do you see this as having implications for regulated U.S. online poker? And could regulated U.S. online poker withstand a scandal like this? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, this is this is not my wheelhouse. But I, it would seem to me that it probably couldn't withstand a scandal like this. Um, and and worse off, I think it would probably have a ripple effect to all mm. forms of like our little world of online gambling. Uh, I mean, listen, again, I'm not in the poker streets, but man, if if the players aren't protected, there's no game, you know? Right. That's just nothing, you know? Um, You know, and I I don't know. I I think, you know, 
I don't know. I I, I did. I saw the story. I, I I I maybe I'm naive, but I was surprised. I'm like, this is something like this could happen, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like reading it. I'll tell you that much. Right. Yeah. It would be nice to believe it couldn't happen with the regulated sites in the U.S. Um, but you know, it's not like GG Poker is some fly by night totally unregulated site. They're just not here. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you that you know this would be really devastating to regulated U.S. online poker because I mean, it's all that online poker can do here to to tread water. It seems to you know to generate a couple million dollars of revenue a month in a tiny handful of states. There there is no growth and no reason to expect significant growth unless or until New York legalizes. So. The industry couldn't withstand a scandal like this, I don't think, because there isn't enough money in U.S. online poker right now to make it worth fighting to survive if if politicians and regulators were to pounce on some major cheating scandal. I hadn't even thought about the ripple effect toward all forms of gambling, but certainly for online poker itself, you know, these sites in the U.S., PokerStars, WSOP, MGM, they have to be extremely careful not yeah. to let something like this happen. And and. You know, it's not easy to stay a, a step ahead of the most sophisticated hackers. I mean, this is a, a fairly fascinating scam that this money taker was running. Um, and by the way, the, the ultimate proof that I will never completely grow up is the fact that I started to chuckle thinking about the 69 at the end of the name. So, sure. so unnecessary, but he put it on there and it makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to get access to this information that i mean from what i read it seems maybe money taker couldn't see percentages on the river when of course the percentage would be either zero or a hundred and you'd know exactly what to do so it's not quite as helpful as seeing exact hole cards but close enough and they got caught because they were greedy about it if 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 you just win a little more than you should if you, if you resist the urge to make a totally bonkers hero call in a big spot you could keep a scam like this going for a long time mm. and uh, you know then there's the scary part of maybe someone out there is doing just that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, in a way, like, gamesmanship, we'll call it, has long been part of, like, the poker world, right? Sure. Um, I don't know. But when it comes to, like, this online, I, 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 I don't mind someone cheating the operator as much as I mind being cheated by cheating a player. You know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's – so – I'm curious, were you familiar as a casual poker observer with the absolute bet, or sorry, absolute poker and ultimate bet scandals? Or is this kind of like the first you're hearing of them? Yeah. So it's basically someone involved in building those sites built in a cheat code and shared it with other founders. And uh, Russ Hamilton, who won the 1994 World Series of Poker main event, so he was like a, a name player in poker. He seems to have been the the main person benefiting and just was like ripping off millions of dollars from other pros, like people he knew in real life, like Mike the Mouth Matisau was famously victimized by it, winning millions from them because he saw their whole cards. It is it is just insanity. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's bad news for online poker advocates that those days are apparently not 100 percent in the past, thanks to right. uh, what happened to GG Poker. Yeah, I don't know. Poker still to me, I I, I know like I am in like the, the 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 big minority here when it comes to this stuff. But like you know, I used to play poker, you know, friendly games, you know, friends, right. you know, like often. I I never I, I get the allure of online poker and that like you get to like play poker and like try to win money and like some people are like actually really good at it. But mm-hmm. I I never understood like it, to me like such the I mean I I want to be at a table, you know? <laughs> like, I just it's such a it's 
online poker and poker are two different games as far as I'm concerned. They they kind of are. And I so I am definitely more of a math player than a feel player. Right. So I am undoubtedly better at online poker than I am at live poker. And, you know, just obviously the convenience and the number of hands you can play and right, the right, ability right. to pick from just about any kind of game you want uh, at any time. Uh, it, yeah, I I almost never play live poker anymore, but I'm rarely do I have a day where I don't spend at least like 20 or 30 minutes playing a little online poker. So, yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm dominating the Poker Stars Pennsylvania streets, Jeff. Good. Mazel tov. Thank you. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. For our final podcast of 2023, we welcome David Purdom to look back on the year that was from a gambling industry news perspective. It follows then that for our first podcast of 2024, we'll point our interview toward looking ahead to 2024, and we're going to specifically focus mostly on the business stories worth tracking this coming year. Joining us now to that end is one of the best investigative reporters and business reporters in sports slash gambling, our colleague and friend, Sports Handle Senior Analyst Matt Rybaltowski. Matt, welcome back to Gamble On. Guys, Happy New Year's. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, as we start 2024, it seems the two leaders in the U.S. online gambling space, DraftKings and FanDuel, are relatively stable. That isn't the case necessarily for the number three operator, BetMGM. Uh, the European company Entain owns a 50% stake in BetMGM. And as you wrote recently, Matt, the possibilities going forward range from Entain selling its stake to Entain fully acquiring BetMGM. Would you say this is the biggest or most intriguing business story you're tracking this year? And, and do you have any prediction on what ends up happening? In my view, it's, it's definitely the most in, in, intriguing story. And it's just because if you you, you look at the uh, scope of BetMGM uh, worldwide, and you have these two major conglomerates, you have uh, MGM Resorts over in the U.S. and you have Intain. A lot of people don't know that uh, Intain owns um, a number of European gambling giants, such as uh, Ladbrokes, uh, Corral, several others, BWIN, and. Um, just, just before the New Year's, um, Intain's uh, former CEO, Yetta Nygaard Anderson, uh, tendered her resignation. And uh, she, she was under uh, considerable uh, pressure to unlock uh, shareholder value in, in uh, Intain because of several uh, M&A missteps that, that she made. Uh, notably, um, Intain last year acquired a, a Polish bookmaker, called STS at uh, $750 million, which is much more in U.S. terms. That's it's closer to $900 million. And so um, this week there, there was a bit of news. Uh, this one activist investor, Ricky Sandler from um, Eminence Capital, uh, joined uh, Intain's board of directors. And he's been pretty vo vocal about... Um, some sort of divorce with uh, with bad MGM, whether it's a it's MGM Resorts full acquisition or just a divestiture of uh, bad MGM from Intain's standpoint. So, 
I'd say the market really isn't sure which pathway um, Intain will take, but it feels like that's something that should be closely monitored. And in one way or, or another, there's going to be uh, activity this year as it relates to that MGM. So one of, one of my big takeaways from all of that was just that I have seen you write and others write the name yet uh, or Yetta, or, or exactly. I've in my mind, I've always pronounced it Jet, and so now it's good, good, good to uh, hear you say it aloud, so I can learn that the the J is a Y sound. Is that is that correct? It's correct, and um, it, it's kind of funny because um, she came under uh, criticism for um, some of her private travel, where she would go um, across the Atlantic just to visit a F one race for two days go on one of those uh luxurious soirees if you will and then turn around so uh she pejoratively received the nickname uh private yetta which is a a, a play on of private jet and um <laughs> i i think that was one of the things that just turned uh some of these hedge funds uh the wrong way and they they didn't like the fact that she was going on these luxury trips when uh, the intense stock was was struggling. By way of comparison, um, MGM Resorts made an acquisition attempt for uh, Intain in 2021 at uh, 11 billion dollars, and now the Intain uh, valuation has fallen to six billion. So th that's why you're you're increasingly seeing these activists and in investors try to find a way to to gain value in in, in the stock because it's. It's cratered so much uh, over the last two years. And interestingly enough, um, the Intain stock has jumped 20% uh, since her departure. So hmm. that that shows that the uh, the, the wheels are, are, are turning. And, and at least from the activist point of view, there's pressure for Intain to make some sort of move here. You know, speaking of activist investors, uh, Penn now is finding itself in, in, in the crosshairs. Uh, I'm reading a hedge fund, uh, HG Vora, says they have about an 18.5% stake, and they, they want a seat on the board. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, some of the decisions Penn has been making in the last few years, spending $2 billion for the score, spending $500 million for Barstool, and then selling it back for a dollar. You know, if I was an investor in Penn, I would not be too thrilled with these moves. Uh, you know, and obviously right now that, you know, we're in the middle of a ESPN bets launch. Uh, and you know, as HG4, you know, this, this, this hedge fund, they don't want to see Penn, you know, butcher this. Uh, what, what's your take on where this stands now and where it's headed in the future? Really great questions. Um, it, it's interesting because you, you almost took the words out, out of my mouth. Um, 2024 could very well be the, the year of the activist, uh, in, investor because, if you look at the, those deals, um, the, the Barstool purchase was around $560 million. They've sold it back to Portnoy for for a dollar. I, I think if you look back at it, the uh, the, the score purchase is um, receiving um, criticism from the activist group. That, that was a $2 billion purchase. And if um, Penn completes the 10-year deal with, with ESPN, First of all, that's a that's 1.5 billion, and then ESPN will receive an additional 500 million in, in warrants. So e ESPN bet has to they have to make a splash. Um, they they might not need to hit the 
uh, 20% national market share that uh, Jay Snowden uh, has articulated, but they have to do well. They, they, they can't attain a market share in 2027 of five, six, 6%. Otherwise, there's going to be some major capital outlays there. That That's close to $5 billion when you look at those three deals altogether. So I, I think what Vor is doing with, with this uh, power play is that they're, they're trying to send a message to some of the uh, directors on, on the board who have been there since uh, the mid-1990s, and they, they want to have more of a voice in what's going to happen with ESPN Bet. So it's really going to come down to customer, customer retention um, over the next few years. We, we probably won't won't see it this year in terms of market share because they're spending so much on, on promos. But once you get into uh, 25 and 26, I, I think you, you really have to see ESPN bet do, do well or, or some of these uh, activist investors are going to try to take control of the Penn board. You know, one, one thing about ESPN bet that, you know, is still an unknown is uh, and obviously very important to their future plans is is figuring out a way to get into New York. Uh, do you see a pathway for them to do that any anytime soon? It really comes down to economics too. Um, few of the the operators really haven't been profitable in New York. the The only companies that are really doing well are FanDuel and and DraftKings. And so, you you have three companies that. ESPN bet could make a move to try to take over the skin there, um, most notably win bet. But you have to look at it along the lines of win bet paid $25 million for the license fee there. So they're going to try to look to flip that at, at a multiple. And so it depends how much Penn wants, wants to pay. Um, they might have to pay a king's ransom for the, for that license fee. Let's say it's a hundred million dollars, and as we referred to the, those other deals before, it, those deals reach close to five billion. So then ESPN bet if they make another significant investment in in New York, they they really have to question if New York's going to be profitable. Um, I I think with um, iGaming or online casino uh, coming to the forefront in New York. That's a major legislative issue this year. They could capitalize on the the cross-sell there. So that's why New York becomes attractive. And if they want to hit that 20% national market share, they they probably need New York. But again, if if Wynn uh, wants to charge somewhere around $100 million for that that license fee, um, talks could get pretty contentious there. I'll tell you though, I mean, you know, not speaking from personal experience, but after you spend five billion, what's another hundred million? You know, especially, <laughs> especially with the idea that if casino, if that, if I casino really starts moving in New York, which is, you know, what do you, what do we, you know, maybe thirty seventy this year, who knows? But like, if I casino starts moving, that that the cost of the, you know, that's going to double or triple, I bet, for that license. Yeah. I think places like like Vora are laser focused on this, and if you you look back to twenty three, um, both MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment um, attained double digit growth in their uh, stock price last year, 
and Penn fell 5%. And it's because they have these major uh, capital outlays to, to deal with. So at some point they have to uh, rein in the, the, the spending. They just, they just can't spend to the moon on, um, on these sports betting ventures, especially as, as we know, uh, sports betting is a low margin business. So difficult Not, it hasn't been a low margin business um on for for me and the sports books this year just to be clear it's been a very high margin <laughs> business in the sports books, unfortunately yeah and 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 with online casino as well jeff uh, yes, they, yes, they, both. They, yes they've been they've been uh you you've been keeping everyone in business on in, in all manners of uh of, of gambling this year you're welcome you're with welcome. real money and fake money as our, as our I, listeners I, know yeah that, <laughs> although i listen Raise my hand. I take some blame on the fake money, too. Real money, I'm doing okay, I think. But, uh, anyway, all right. Um, so last thing I want to talk about, Matt, this, this isn't a business story exactly, but NFL gambling suspensions were a major story last year, and uh, you broke quite possibly the biggest of those stories, the violations committed by Isaiah Rogers of the Colts, which included betting on his own team. Spinning it forward, do you think we've seen the last major wave of NFL suspensions that, that now – everyone understands the rules and the consequences or is it just quiet right now because we're in season and and another busy spring of suspensions may await it's hard to, to say but i i lean towards your second point there on the on the, the ladder that if there has been activity betting activity in the, in the locker room this season that the nfl may just want to wait until the season is over before announcing uh another wave they they made a significant push uh last year to educate most of the teams uh during training camp when this isaiah rogers uh situation broke and it it could be that he he might serve as the the face of responsible uh gambling um for the nfl moving forward because he he was really an up-and-coming uh player uh before his suspension um there was one re- report from Sports Illustrated that if he had a good season this year, he, he could have received a contract of $80 million or so. And after his uh, release from, from, from the Colts, he um, he got picked up by the Eagles on a one-year deal. So if he has a good season next year, he, he, he could receive that, that major contract of 70 to $80 million. But Ro- Rodgers could – really serve as the voice for young players uh, hammering down that, that, that point that is it really worth it to make a a bet of a thousand dollars or 10, 10, $20 here, here or there, if you're going to see an $80 million contract. So I think that's the, the, the first aspect of it to look at. And then the second aspect is it's, it's unclear right now if the, the NFL is actually using a third-party company to um, provide geolocation checks inside the locker room. And so there are uh, several companies that are adept at providing the, those services. And then there's other companies like uh, ProAbet and uh, Gamble ID who, who, have, uh, who have sophisticated technology that have entered the forefront too. So. That could happen behind the scenes uh, in the offseason that the, the NFL is looking to strike a deal with one, one of those companies or 
the NFL could step up its uh, geolocation um, capabilities ne- next offseason. Off um, it's it's really too soon to, to tell what will happen on a long-term basis in terms of monitoring uh, player activity. I, I will say that the NFL has been a little more transparent than some of the other leagues. Um, one NHL player uh, faced a 41-game suspension for gambling, and that's been the only NHL case. And both the NBA and Major League Baseball haven't announced any suspensions publicly uh, since the PASPA decision. So are, are we to believe that there is absolutely zero activity in an NBA locker room? I, I mean, NBA players can bet on other sports, but they can't bet on NBA games. We haven't seen a single suspension there. So I'm interested to see what's happening in, in all four sports and, and the MLS uh, in that regard. Um, so far, we've mostly only heard from the NFL and college sports. Yeah, the NFL has definitely made a louder statement on all of this than than the other major leagues. And I think now is actually the perfect time for the NFL to make another statement and dig up some sort of gambling offense uh, related to anyone on the Eagles defensive coaching staff quickly before the playoffs start, get them all suspended. That's, that's what I'm rooting for. Are you hearing anything, Matt? Do you have any sources saying that Matt Patricia could possibly be uh, suspended for de- gambling in the next couple of days? As long as it happens uh, after the Giants game this week, because the Giants <laughs> need the number four pick and not the number five. So um, oh, so, so, so we're we're in one of those uh, situations where we're both kind of hating hating our teams and rooting against them in in various ways this week. Interesting. Well, I do re- recall a, a situation a couple of years ago where um, Doug Peterson felt it was necessary to start your third string uh, quarterback when <laughs> the Giants needed a loss by Washington to make the playoffs. So. Revenge might be on the minds of the Giants there. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah, I kind of right. like the Giants this week, but don't, uh, oh, don't yeah. listen to me. No, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. I'm the Giants on the money line because the Eagles just are not actually a good team right now uh, yeah. at all. They're actually a fairly terrible team, and Giants are playing a little better with uh, Tyrod Taylor. No, it's uh, well, we'll we'll discuss that in the bankroll segment. I, it seems like both of us may want to be betting on the Giants <laughs> this week, which which means Matt, when Jeff and I are aligned. Go big on the Eagles. Eagles, 59 nothing. <laughs> well, uh, Matt, it's uh, been great talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. I know you're uh, busy in Florida this week at a, at, a, at Nickel G's, so uh, good luck at the conference. Have fun there, and thanks for uh, taking a little time to to talk with us. Uh, let all the listeners know you can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Reiboltowski. Thanks again for coming on the pod, Matt. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, great to uh, catch up with you guys on Gamble On. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the final regular season edition of Bagels Unlocked shortly, but first let's update our betting bankroll, and we have a lot to update after a week off, including a bunch of NFL futures that are now graded. Uh, you did a group of bets on the Eagles and Chargers to win no, their respective no, no, conferences and meet in the Super Bowl. No, you did. There is audio proof out there. Um, I think that's true. It is true. Uh, the Chargers end of it uh, is dead. But uh, We do still have the Eagles to win the NFC, for whatever that's worth. But uh, Romeo, Romeo, where are they? <laughs> 
Um, we have a, a loss of 100 on the Chargers to win the AFC and 25 each on Eagles over Chargers and Chargers over Eagles. Uh, I also officially lose $60 on the Bengals to win the AFC. They are out of playoff contention. Uh, but one good win to report. We did a minus 113 parlay on the Patriots, Commanders, and Raiders all to miss the playoffs. And they're all eliminated with a week to go. So we win 200 bucks there. We have several more futures that will get officially graded next week. Most of them are bad news, uh, although there is a nice swing to the positive for us if the Seahawks miss the playoffs, unless you decide to hedge it this week. Uh, I guess I will find out soon. We have uh, $100 on them at plus 320 to miss, and they're now plus 320 to make. So uh, just putting that out there, up to you. Uh, anyway, other bets in college football. Bennett Conlon's bet on Texas to win the national title for 20 bucks is a loser, but we come out ahead because he gave us an opportunity to hedge. I bet 55 on Washington plus the points. That won us $50. As for the wagers from our last episode, this goes all the way back to NFL Week 16, which seems like a really long time ago. Uh, you lost 50 bucks on Cup anytime TD, but 188 bucks on Shahid anytime TD, but lost 20 bucks on a parlay of both of them. And you took over 43 and a half points in Bears Cardinals, which of course landed on 43. Why wouldn't it? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> a loss of 105. Uh, then there are my boxing bets. I had three underdogs. Two of them lost. I lost 30 a piece on Valine and Miller, but the biggest dog, plus 650, Agit Kabayel, won by fourth round knockout. So we won $130 on that. Then there was my five leg sure thing boxing parlay that came out to minus 105. Four legs were indeed sure things, but Deontay Wilder lost badly. One leg too many. We lost $105 on that. All in all, we lost $102. We're now down by 5,185. We also have 2410 on hold in futures bets, and that leaves us with $2,405 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. All right. Uh, is it baseball season yet? I'm ready to, I'm <laughs> it ready could to make be. a bet. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make a bet on some Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, here it is uh, Home runs. Mm -hmm. who, who, who do you think the favorite is? I mean, to I lead all of MLB in home yeah, runs? Yeah. Um, Doesn't matter. Would it be Otani? It's not Otani. Okay. He is the sixth favorite at wow. plus 950. Huh. Okay. I'd like to put $50 on Mr. Otani to lead the league in home runs. He led the league in homers per at bat last year. Pitching around him is not going to be an option in that Dodger lineup. Right. He won't be pitching at all this year, so right. he will only be hitting. I don't know. I mean, is plus 950 good odds? Probably not, but Judge is 350, Olsen 600, Alonzo 700, Schwarber 750, Soto 900, then Otani. I think, much like you kind of threw out there, he should be the favorite. So I, I think I'm getting value, even yeah. if the odds aren't the best. But I like it. Plus, I don't have to worry about it for nine months. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and we can afford uh, 50 bucks. We can afford to... Uh... Put that off to the side and see what happens. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think that's a a, a great price. Um, yeah, if he if he stays healthy, he should at least be even with any of those other guys. I would think. You would think. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, I've got a bunch of Week 18 games here that I want to bet, um, all under the same theme. Every year in Week 18, there are a couple of teams with nothing to play for that go out and win anyway. So I see five money line underdogs that I think are well priced. We're good to go if two of these hit. Uh, let's start with Saturday afternoon. Ravens hosting Steelers. Ravens playing their backups. Steelers needing to win to have a chance to get into the playoffs. 
The Ravens are plus 165. It's a division rivalry. Ty Huntley is competent, dangerous even at times. Mason Rudolph could turn into a pumpkin. Baltimore's backups will play hard. Um, let's go 60 bucks to win 99 on the Ravens. Uh, next up, two teams both with nothing to play for. Uh, Browns are locked into the five seed and arresting guys and starting Jeff Driscoll. Bengals are eliminated. Since he is rightly favored, but we can get as much as plus 260 on Cleveland. That's too high. Got to take a shot. $40 to win 104. Titans hosting the Jags. Uh, Jags clinch the AFC South with a win. Uh, Titans are out, but the Jags are banged up and haven't looked good in a while. I can see the Titans being motivated to play. Spoiler here. Best price is plus 198, so let's do 50 to win 99 there. Then we have Bears at Packers. Could a divisional rival that's eliminated knock the Packers out of the playoffs for the second year in a row? Uh, the Bears have been playing better lately. I say, why not? Plus 140 will go $60 to win $84 on the Bears. And lastly, as discussed with Matt, my Eagles stink right now. The defense is decimated. The play calling on both sides of the ball is horrible. And unless the Cowboys lose to the commies, which seems nearly impossible, the Eagles have no motivation here except wanting to get right a bit before the playoffs. Uh, the Giants with Tyrod Taylor are half decent. They'll be motivated to end the season on a winning note against a hated division rival. And quite frankly, these teams are pretty evenly matched right now. It pains me to admit. Giants at plus 200 at home. I love that price. Let's go $50 to win 100 on them. I love I love all those bets. Uh, week eighteen is just what a what a glorious glorious time to be alive. Yes. Uh, although although you're barely alive as we roll barely, into week yeah. eighteen. This is my flu game. This is my Michael Jordan flu game, and it <laughs> yes. is not as successful. To be clear, uh, <laughs> nowhere near. Right. Uh, all right. I wrote a story uh, yesterday, I think, for Sports Handle uh, about awards markets and the yep, NFL. Yeah, that was how, yesterday. Yeah. A lot of them are still up in the air. I'm going to bet into the Will Anderson for Defensive Rookie of the Year steam. I mean, you could you could have had him at like four thousand plus four thousand a few weeks ago. He's down. The best odds I could find this morning were plus two forty at DraftKings, but it has just been a steady drumbeat um, for this guy over uh, Jalen Carter, who was really like, you know falling off a cliff lately so i don't know i'm, I'm gonna I, I this is i really feel like this is a smoke and fire situation here so 50 bucks to win whatever i didn't do the math plus 240 <laughs> 50 <laughs> bucks to win 120 well i will Sorry. i will remind you that you yeah. p- before the season you put 100 bucks on him at plus 500 did um, i really you did yes oh. so 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 that is something we're already rooting for but if you still currently like the price and i do i think plus 240 is pretty good uh just just because of the, the way the whole eagles defense has been it's gonna be, people are gonna be a little more reluctant to vote for J- jalen carter when this is there's all said so, and done. there's so much buzz now around anderson like yeah. on twitter i, I just I, I don't know it seems like it and you know the the yesterday it was crazy the the odds movement i mean it there was a time yesterday where if you were into the arbitrage betting situation, you really could have like made cleaned up because uh, he was like at plus seven fifty on uh, MGM and like and Carter was like minus one eighty one fifty five on FanDuel, you know right. there was definitely you know and there, there's a, the uh, uh, Kobe whatever his name is on the Rams he's he's rising I can't remember his last name sorry. yeah Turner is that sound Turner right? maybe yeah. it sounds about right but uh, he's rising so I like he I think if the Rams had something to play for this week. It's possible. You know, all right. Will Anderson has to do is, like, make a, you know... Will Anderson makes, like, a game-saving sack for the Texans this weekend. 
sends him to the playoffs, I mean, he'll be minus odds before the weekend's over. Yeah, if he just has a solid game, even if he doesn't do something spectacular, but if if the Texans win and, and make the playoffs and the Eagles' defense has another week of looking as bad as it has looked, right? I, I think the sentiment swings toward, toward Anderson for sure. So, all right, so now we're in total, I guess we're in for 150 to win 620. If, uh, st- if I can't believe wins. how smart I was preseason. <laughs> I, I was ready to write that one off until a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, it's it's drawn pretty live. Um, staying in the uh, NFL awards markets, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make one bet there. I'm annoyed that I was on vacation last week because I saw Joe Flacco at plus 400 for comeback player of the year, and I I couldn't bet him in real life because I wasn't in the U.S. and I couldn't bet him for pay, fake podcast money either. And what a story he is! Um, like Baker Mayfield doesn't have the story, even if the Bucks win their division. Flacco has a story to partially offset the DeMar Hamlin story. If I was voting for comeback player of the year, it's Flacco, hands down. You know, Hamlin versus Baker would have been tricky to decide, but Hamlin versus Flacco, I mean, I love the human interest story with Hamlin, but he barely played and made no impact. 16 snaps. 16 yeah. snaps. And a lot of them on special teams, right? right. Yeah. Uh, so Flacco, here's his story. Hasn't been an NFL starter for six years. Hasn't been a top-tier NFL quarterback in nine years. Comes off the street at age 38, plays great, and leads the Browns to the playoffs. He has my vote. Will he win over the actual voters? Tough to say. The Most of the odds at most of the sites say it's around 50-50, except at FanDuel, where Flacco is still plus 200. So we already have two bets in this market. $115 on Hamlin at minus 115. And twenty-five bucks on Baker at twenty-five to one. It's not going to be Baker, although if it is, I guess that's good for us. But let's bet seventy dollars to win one forty on Flacco, so that if Flacco wins, we break even across the three bets, and if Hamlin wins, we win five bucks. Um, but I, I really think Flacco very clearly deserves this award. Who, who would you vote for if you had a vote, Jeff? It, it, well, you know the thing of it is, and you know it, it, we used to have this you know, discussion around like. Uh, by we, I mean, you know, fans, but I don't like uh-huh. what, MV, what MVP means, like in a player on a last place team in baseball when the MVP, right, right? Right. And the answer to me is no, like they shouldn't. Like you could finish in last place without the best player in Major League Baseball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, so right. So player, player of the year, sure, MVP, no. So what does comeback player of the year mean, right? You know, do you right. have, I mean, does just coming back qualify you or do you have to actually do something when you come right. back? You know, I mean, I don't want to discount what happened to Hamlin. The man died. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, right. He left. He left the mortal plane and is now playing football. That's a pretty good comeback story. <laughs> right. But he hasn't done anything on the field, you know, so I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if, I mean, if, if, if you if you had a vote, you're saying you're undecided on what guess, you do with nah, your vote. I guess, I guess if I had a vote, I'm going to vote. I'm going to say that comeback player of the year means you have to do something besides just breathe again. Right. You know, like on the field. This isn't like craziest, most like crazy ass fucking story of the year. Hamlin wins that hands down. Uh huh. But comeback player of the year. It's hard to give him that when he didn't play. Right. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed the year that uh, that Alex Smith won it, just basically just for getting back on the field, although at least he had a couple of starts and played the position of quarterback. Um, but he mostly was getting it for coming back from near yeah. death and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there were other players who actually achieved things that year after having been written off or, or whatever. I mean, that the thing about Flacco, uh, I, I hate to invoke the word 
dead or death here because, you know, I don't want to seem insensitive or whatever, but his career was every bit as dead as DeMar Hamlin was. Uh, that like Not this... every bit. Not every bit. <laughs> okay, almost as dead. Almost. His career, like... He was not in the league. Nobody wanted him to start the season. Right. He'd been a backup and, a, and an ineffective one for the last few years. And it just like it was over for him. And then he Cleveland cycles through three different quarterbacks and gets is is scuffling and in danger of missing the playoff and playoffs. And Joe freaking Flacco comes back and, and plays great. And when they go five and one with him, four and one with him, something like that. And so listen yeah. on this Flacco's on this Brown, the Browns are good. Their defense is dynamite. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They, they're good. They're, I mean, so let's say they play the Jags or the Texans or whoever wins that shithole division. Like they can easily win that game. Uh-huh. Then they theoretically, you know, depending on like, you know, assuming favorites went out, they go to Baltimore. Like, uh, do, are we sure that the Browns can't beat Baltimore? Right. Like, that's like, I mean, that, that's a that's a seventeen thirteen game. That's a you know, that's a turn one turnover you know difference game kind of feel to me. You know, right? I don't know. I, don't I, th- know. I think that yeah, I think that they are the second most live to get to the Super Bowl team in the AFC. Baltimore is clearly yeah. number one, but I'd probably right. go Browns next, and then and then. Bills maybe third just on the Josh Allen maybe kind of can do it all himself sort of principle if he's yeah. if he's hot um, and if they make the playoffs right yes they do still have to do that crazy. but these I, I saw a Levitan tweet this morning and it's true uh, uh, the Bills are third favorite Super Bowl favorites right now and, and might could miss the playoffs, playoffs. yeah <laughs> they're right they could be anywhere from a two seed to out of the playoffs yeah it's crazy it's crazy, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right, I, it's it's PGA season again, which means I've been falling asleep to listening to PGA podcasts. <laughs> ah, yes, I missed that. Uh, this week at the Century, teeing off this afternoon, uh, Colin Morikawa, and I think I'm going to pronounce this guy's name right, Ludwig Aberg, Aberg, I don't know, A-B-E-R-G. Both, I'm going to bet a little parlay here, both to finish in the top 10 at, over at DraftKings, plus 400 for 50 bucks. Morikawa played this uh, tournament, Four times, I think. He's never finished out of the top ten. Uh, this Ludwig fella, I couldn't tell you the first thing about him, but he can, he can drive the shit out of the ball and put the shit out of the ball. And apparently those are the two things that you need to do on this course. <laughs> it's 59 people. It's no cut. Wow. I'm going, okay. they're, 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 they're 120 and 140 to finish top ten individually. I don't know. That seems like not a bad bet at 400 to parlay them together. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Lock it in as a one of them wins the tournament, one of them finishes 11th. Sounds about right. Right. Um, so we got to do a bet on the college football championship, right? Uh, I enlisted the help of our boy Bennett here. I asked him if he has a lean with Michigan favored by four and a half. And he said, even though he's rooting for Washington, Michigan has the more complete team, especially defensively. He said he thinks they'll bully Washington a bit and, and could win by 10 plus. So that got me thinking about alt lines, um, but I wasn't quite loving the prices I was seeing on Michigan minus nine and a half. The best number that I found that felt like value is plus 130 at ESPN bet on Michigan minus seven and a half. And, you know, eight has become a key number in the two point conversion era. So let's go with Michigan being a notch above Washington Wolverines minus seven and a half at plus 130, $80 to win 104. I have nothing to say about that because I don't know anything about college football. Yeah, I don't either. That's why I asked Bennett. All right. Good. Smart. (laughs) Yes. All right. It is is time for bagels and locks. Uh, We had week 17 off, but in week 16, we both took the Rams minus four. We went directly against all the so-called sharps. The Saints plus four was allegedly the sharp side, but 
based on the sample size of one game. We are the Sharps. The Sharps are the squares. Rams covered. Uh, I'm now eight and six in bagels and locks. And Jeff, you are a very impressive nine and five. And you're up first with your week 18 lock. I uh, I know we've talked about this off air a little bit. You talked about it on air a little bit. I'm going to take the Giants plus five points. Uh, we both think they're live as money line to win. And assuming the Cowboys are trouncing the commanders, which it would be a shock if they're not at halftime, Sirianni's pulling his players, right? So this is the games in East Rutherford. I don't know. I, there, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of indications to me that the Giants side is a sharp side here. So I'm going to take the Giants plus five. Uh, can I interest you in an extra half a point? Because when I looked this morning, uh, one one site had it five and a half. So I may as well I take will that, right? Happily take that extra half a point. Thank you, sir. Okay, you're welcome. Because uh, I know this because it's my pick as well. For the second <laughs> time in a row, we have the same lock. It, this one's just been obvious to me all week. Uh, I already explained that. I think these two teams are evenly matched all of a sudden. You know, for most of the season, the Eagles were a top-tier team and the Giants were a bottom-tier team, but they are meeting in the middle right now. And so, yeah, five and a half for the Giants at home. As you said, Eagles will be scoreboard watching and may realize in the second half they have nothing to play for. And even with everything to play for last week, they couldn't beat Arizona at home. I'd love to see the Eagles figure this out, but I fully expect they won't. And five and a half is way too many points. And so, like you, I am making the New York football giants my lock of the week. There you go. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Matt Rybaltowski. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein. And follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. Well, Eric, the, the best ball mania four champion over at Underdog was crowned last week. Uh, for each, he had a DJ, apparently, by trade. He won $3 million, right? Mm-hmm. That is obviously life-changing money, especially especially with CD rates being where they are, Eric. You know, after taxes, <laughs> this guy's – seriously, after taxes, he's looking at like 100 k a year in passive income with zero risk. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that's where I want to be. I want passive income with zero risk. But instead of being there, I've already entered like 100 underdog playoff best ball tournaments in an effort to claim my first underdog title. Uh, You know, honestly, I really don't have anything worth saying here, except I desperately need to be crowned an underdog champion. Uh, It's starting to have a negative effect on my life that I'm not, Uh, (laughs) especially and specifically because the first underdog tournament I ever entered, Best Ball Mania 2, I landed in the damn finals. I lost badly, but I had a taste. Now I want it all. I want it all. I want not only do I want underdog street credibility, I want passive income as well. That's the American dream, my friend. I will thus continue to gamble on. Gamble on.